Where are you going? As you take a a step back and you look at the overarching theme of your life, as you look at where your overarching life is going, where are you going? There's a, a writer and a thinker named Christopher Morley who said when, when you look at life and you think about life, you think in three stages to answer where are you going. You're learning, you're earning, and then you're yearning. In other words, from little on, you're learning until you graduate from college. And after your learning is done, you then enter the earning stage. And you earn money, and you earn a living, until you get to the yearning stage. And in the yearning stage, that's the stage you look back on life. And you yearn for what was. Yearning is more than just longing. It's, it's longing with the sense that uh, there's something absent. There's longing for something lost. There's longing for something that's unattainable. You long, you yearn for something. And so with the learning stage and the earning stage, where, what are you doing? You're looking forward to the future. You're looking forward. You're looking forward. You're longing. You're longing. And then you get to the yearning stage and you look back. And now what? Now what? Yearning is what i got to believe Adam and Eve were doing after they, got, after the, they fell into sin. Adam and Eve were created by God in the very beginning. The crown of God's creation made perfect and put in the Garden of Eden to work where they had meaningful work, created and put in the Garden to worship God and have a meaningful relationship with God, and they did that by not eating the tree in the middle of the Garden. They had meaningful relationships with one another. They had all good things. They never knew what it was to not be satisfied. They never had a hunger pain. They never thought, had this desire to have a different job. That career and their, their career wasn't successful enough. They didn't have this burning desire for something in the past. They had it all. Until one day, when the devil disguised as a snake came in, tempted Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree, and now they knew what it was to be wanting, to be yearning, yearning for something lost. Last week we closed up by looking at Genesis 3.15, where we saw that God let Adam and Eve listen in on a conversation between him and the devil, where God told the devil that God was going to send somebody from the woman's line to crush the serpent's head, to undo everything he did. And now God's conversation turns to Adam and Eve, and we hear the consequences of their sin. We're in Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat fruit, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of the brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Do you remember those three stages of life that God put Adam and Eve in the garden to do? Or not stages, I'm sorry, the three roles in life that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to do. To have meaningful work, have a meaningful relationship with Him, and have meaningful relationships with one another. Notice what sin has done to each of those roles in life. God approaches Eve and He says, Eve, because you ate from the tree, here are your consequences. Childbearing is going to be very severe. It's going to be painful. Some of the most painful experiences that you ladies have is childbirth. The whole process of it. Not just the actual act of giving birth, but from pregnancy on. It wasn't like that at the beginning. It wasn't painful. But now, you get pregnant. Now, that baby rests on your rib cage and hurts. Now, that baby pushes around all the organs in your body. Now, you have pain. You have headaches. And now, you give birth. And it's one of the most severe pains that a woman goes through. And it's a consequence of sin. But not only is childbearing difficult, the actual painful experience of giving birth, but so is child rearing, bringing up kids. Those meaningful relationships that God put us in the garden to have, meaningful relationships with one another, has now been impacted, and raising kids is difficult because you're sinful. Your husbands are sinful. Your kids are sinful. Meaningful relationships have taken a hit because of sin. And we see that not just with kids, but also between Adam and Eve. As God says to Eve, your desire is going to be for your husband and he's going to rule over you. You look around the world and you wonder, why is there abuse? Why are there harsh words said between a husband and wife? It's because of sin. It's not God-pleasing, but it's the consequence of sin being in our fallen world. Those meaningful relationships that God created us to have have been broken. And it's because of sin. And it's not only are these meaningful relationships, but work also. God addresses Adam. He says, Adam, you you were created to work the ground. You were created to be a farmer. And what used to be a joy, you used to wake up and love going to work because it was easy and it was enjoyable and it was fun. It's now going to be difficult. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to work. That ground that used to be so easy to till is now going to be hard. And you're going to have to work. 
The ground that would just produce good crops, now those crops will get scorched and die if you don't take proper care of them. Now there's thorns and thistles and weeds that are going to grow that you have to pull out and you have to till and you have to work and it's not going to be fun. And you're going to do this, Adam, until you die. You were created to live and now you're going to die because of sin. Meaningful relationships impacted. Work impacted. And then the relationship with God impacted. Did you catch at the end what God did to them? He drove them out of the garden. He said, you can't live here anymore. Why? Because if they reached out and they ate from the tree of life, they would now live forever. They would live forever in this state of sin. They would live forever with heartache. They would live forever with decaying bodies that could never die but just decay. They would live forever in pain. And God said, I don't want that for you. And so he said, you can't live here anymore. But did Adam and Eve go willingly? No. Look what we're told in verse 24. After he drove the man out, God had to force Adam and Eve to leave. Eden was their home. Eden was protection. Eden had everything that they wanted. And as God drove them out, do you think Adam and Eve began to yearn? Long for something they lost. Long for something unattainable. Long for something that is absent. Long for perfection in the garden. And since that time, human beings have yearned. Going back to Christopher Morley, the problem I have with his learning, earning, and yearning is that you don't have to be retired to yearn. Have you ever had somebody close to you pass away? If so, I'm guessing you yearn for them. You long for that person. But it's unattainable. My guess is you've yearned when it comes to work. You, you yearn for success. You yearn for your job being fulfilling. And sometimes it is. But other times it just seems like such work. Have you ever yearned for a relationship that is broken? And it seems broken beyond repair. Have you yearned for your family to just get along but it seems unattainable? Have you yearned? My guess is yes. What is it that you're yearning for? What would you love to have that you just can't seem to attain, that seems lost, that seems absent? Where are you not satisfied? Do you know what we tend to do then? we try to be satisfied. We try to fill that hole. We try to fill that void. In a lot of ways, we try to recreate Eden, what we lost. What do we do? If if success isn't there, if we want to feel better about our job and feel satisfied, we change careers. 
thinking that then we're going to be satisfied. And then we do, and we get there, and we're like, uh, it's still not what I'm looking for. You want your family to be back together, and you make peace, and, and it's good, but it's still not satisfying. With those relationships and friends that have broken apart, you can't uh, attain those once again, and so you look to make friends elsewhere, and you get those, and, and you're still not satisfied. We try and we try and we try to fill the void in our life and yet we can never seem to fill that sense of yearning. Why? C.S. Lewis once said that if you have a desire that this world cannot satisfy, it's probably because we were created for another one. If you have a desire that this world cannot satisfy, it's probably because you were created for a different one. See, what are our hearts yearning for? It's your first point today. Our hearts long for Eden. Ever since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, all of our hearts have yearned for what they had in the Garden, which was ultimate satisfaction which was perfect relationships that were fulfilling. Meaningful work that was fulfilling and satisfying every moment of our existence. A satisfying, meaningful relationship with our God. We have longed for Eden where loved ones don't pass away. Where nothing gets lost. Our hearts long for Eden. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve blew it. And ever since then, God drove them out of the garden. We've been yearning. Yearning for Eden. And it's unattainable. It's lost. Paradise was lost. And so what's our solution? Do we just go, like Christopher Morley says, do we just or learn, earn, and then yearn, and then it's over? Is it a solution to just fill our lives with a bunch of fun and just enjoy it while we can because eventually it's done? What's the solution? In Genesis 3, in the section that we just read, there's a pretty amazing uh, verse. It's what Adam names his wife. Up until this point, she doesn't have a name. We've been calling her Eve throughout this series because we know what her name is. But up until this point, she hasn't been named. She's just been woman. And now, Adam gives her a name. But did you notice where that name came at? Right after God says, dust you are, to dust you will return. You are going to die. Adam, in the very next breath, names his wife Eve. Why? Because she would be mother of all the living. Now, why did he name her that? Is it because she's going to give birth to babies who are going to be alive? Sure, but most commentators would say he named her Eve because Adam trusted what God said in Genesis 3.15. That God 
was going to send somebody from the line of the woman, the offspring of the woman, who was going to crush Satan's head and undo everything that he had done. Undo sin. Undo death. That someone was going to come from the mother of all the living to undo death. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, he picked up on on this, and he he recognized what Scripture says here. Uh, At the very end of that series, Sam wakes up after Gandalf had died, and he wakes up and he sees Gandalf. And he says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I myself was dead. Is everything sad going to be untrue? What has happened to our world? What has happened to our world is Jesus Christ, the Lord of all the living, the the offspring of the mother of all the living. He came into the world to make everything sad untrue. And He did it through His perfect life. He did it by His death on the cross and He did it through the resurrection on Easter morning. Everything sad is going to become untrue. It's going to be undone because of the Lord of life. When He died on the cross, it wasn't just an ordinary death. Because when He met death, death was changed. For thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, death claimed victim after victim after victim. And if you want proof, turn to Genesis chapter 5. You want, uh, you want to know that death was in the world? Genesis chapter 5 is a genealogy. And what's the repeating phrase over and over again? And he died. 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 And that is the case of every single human being, including Jesus. But Jesus changed death. Because when Jesus died, there was a comma at the end of his sentence. He died, comma, and he came back to life. Death has been changed. And what he has done is he has restored Eden to you and me. During the last point, in Christ, Eden is restored. Let me show you what, how the Bible ends. Revelation 22, John has a vision, Jesus' disciple, around 90 A.D., John has a vision of the end times and what heaven is going to look like and what heaven is like. Here's the very last chapter of the Bible. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree uh, are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and the servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Notice what John sees. Eden restored. Just like in the garden, there's a river flowing right down the middle. Just like in the garden, 
there's the tree of life that people can now reach out and take and eat and live forever. Because why? The curse is gone. The curse of sin, the curse of death has been removed. And notice who is there. God. And now we get to see Him face to face. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden no longer to see the physical presence of God in heaven, in Eden restored. We get to see the presence of God and we will reign forever. Eden is restored. Jesus has changed everything. Jesus has changed where you're going. No longer is death our end, but now we live forever in Eden where every single one of your desires is satisfied. Where the healing that you so desperately want is satisfied. Where the hurts that you so desperately want to be removed are healed. Where the feeling of the loss of a loved one will never be because there your loved ones in Christ will be forever. Jesus has changed it all. And He's changed our perspective. No longer do we learn, earn, and yearn. Now we learn, earn, and long for Eden. We don't have to look back and yearn for the past. We now long for the future. And it's because of Jesus. And I want to close today by telling you a story. I've told it before, uh, but it just fits so perfectly. Uh, When I got to my internship, uh, there was a guy who started attending our church six months before I got there. His name was Mike. Mike uh, was in his late 50s, and his life was falling apart. He was an alcoholic, and his marriage was about to end in divorce. And he said, I, I need to find help. And he goes, I don't know who God is, but I'm sure he can help me. So he came to our church, and he took our starting point class where he learned all about who God is and what God has done for us. And he took it not once, not twice, but six times in a row. And over the course of the next couple of years, he no longer was an alcoholic. His marriage was healed, and his wife started attending our church as well. Four or five years after Mike started attending church, uh, he got diagnosed with cancer. He went from one day being healthy as can be to a few months later being on his deathbed. And on his deathbed, he told pastor, pastor, if this was a few years ago, I I would be laying here and all I'd be able to think about is how horrible hell's going to be. But now I'm laying here and all I can think about is how great heaven will be. And I get to be there forever. What changed? Jesus Christ. Who died for him. Who took his sins away. Jesus Christ who conquered the grave. Who rose from the dead and has restored Eden to you and me. That is where we are going when we die. We are going back to the Garden of Eden where life was created to be with God, where there is no sin, where there is no death, there is no curse, because Jesus Christ took it all away for you and me. There we will get to eat from the tree of life and live forever, and we will be completely satisfied, just like Mike is right now.
And so what do we want to do? Carpe diem. Seize the day. Not to check off lists of your bucket list, but seize the day and get to know Jesus. Because He is the one that has changed it all. He is the one who has changed where you're going. You are going back to Eden because Jesus Christ died, rose again, and has opened the gates of Eden for you and me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You that You have taken away our sin at the cross, that You have conquered the grave uh, so that we can live once again in Eden where our hearts will be satisfied, where all of our longings and yearnings will be filled. It's no longer unattainable, and it's all because of You. We thank You for that. We ask today that You help us prioritize You in our life to get to know You, uh, because one day all of this is going to come to an end. Whether it's tomorrow or 50 years from now, uh, death will come, but You have changed death for us. And we know that Eden is waiting for us because of You. Be with us today. Help us to seize the day to get to know You, to trust You, to believe in You, because You have changed everything. We ask all this in Your name. Amen. Part of Christian worship has been, uh, tradition in Christian worship has been to say a statement of faith, which we call a creed. Uh, And so today we're going to say the Apostles' Creed together uh, to confess our Christian faith. The Apostles' Creed was written 100 A.D. for two purposes. Number one, People were wondering,